There's a command in scripture that used to bother me. Maybe it's bothered you also. This commandment is found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus came to his disciples at Galilee uh, just before uh, he ascended into heaven and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So I've got this question here. Um, because Jesus was talking to these 11 disciples, was this a command just for those 11 disciples? Or was this a command for uh, all future believers, all future followers, uh, all future disciples? There are many commands in scripture. However, given that there are many different gifts in the body of the church, it's reasonable to assume we aren't all expected to attempt a gift that we haven't been blessed with. Having said that, I also acknowledge that it is not impossible for God to give us a specific gift for a certain task that was not part of our normal or original skill set. I have witnessed such occasions where God has supplied such an ability to someone who previously wouldn't have that gift. And in such cases, obviously, all the glory has to go to God. Because in their own strength, that person would not have been able to accomplish that task. Take, for example, the part of this command that talks about uh, making disciples of all nations. Does that mean that each of us have got to travel to uh, other nations to make disciples? The good thing about being part of a team or a church community is that a good team is able to accomplish far more than we can accomplish as individuals. And that's because of the different gifts of the team members. A song from my childhood went like this, and I'm not going to sing it. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. Well, thankfully, there are people who do have a passion to go to places like Africa while relying on support from the wider church community. There are scriptures that draw our attention to the various gifts in the body of the church and how the church will flourish and grow as each part does its work. There's another reading which I want to bring to you. It's in Ephesians 4. Uh, 11 to 16 where we read so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ then we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The final verse in our reading from Corinthians uh, that was read to us today directs us to eagerly desire the greater gifts. What are these greater gifts? Well, Paul tells us that one gift is not superior to another. And he urges believers to discover how our gifts can serve Christ's body, using the God-given God, uh, gifts that uh, each of us have. Therefore, I believe these greater gifts are those we've been blessed with by God and are part of who we are, which may often be as a support gift rather than the front up, uh, up front gift, but a gift which can be integral part of the team working together. A gift without which the task may have been more difficult or not accomplished at all. Before we get too far on the matter of sharing our faith, which I'm now saying is not necessarily what the Great Commission is saying, I'm not too sure that all witnessing is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd suggest that sometimes we may run ahead of the Holy Spirit and just start talking in our own strength rather than committing our witness to prayer before we start speaking. There are a lot of people who are looking to poke holes in our reasoning as we talk about our faith. And if the Holy Spirit isn't guiding our speech, we may do more harm than good in presenting the case for Christ because there is an opposing force that doesn't want people believe, be, becoming believers and followers of Jesus. Given that not many of us are preachers or teachers and we see that there are various gifts in the body of the church, this task of making disciples would seem to be more of a community task Sure, some Christians who are good with words may be able to quote appropriate scriptures and probably single-handedly lead someone to accept Jesus as saviour. However, that's not the end of the task. The command in Matthew 28 directs us to make disciples, which I see as an ongoing task rather than just making converts. I'd suggest that making disciples in the past is a task which has been neglected by the church to a large degree, following a person's confession of faith, and that part of making disciples requires building a relationship and sharing our lives with others in the church. I believe that we need to have a relationship with someone before we have the right to challenge them on any issue. And that if our lives are genuine, we stand far more chance of uh, 
being heard as we talk about our faith. There's a saying that goes like this. What you are speaks so loud I can't hear what you're saying. Then there's the ability to quote scriptures or find appropriate scriptures in, uh, in order to confirm our Christ for Christ. If this is something we're not confident about, well, we've just identified a project uh, to accomplish in the year ahead so that we can be ready to speak up for Jesus. We could make this one of our New Year's resolutions for 2022. So why had this commandment from Matthew 28 bothered me in the past? Well, I guess I've lumped making converts in with making disciples. And I now see them as being two similar but different things. I see making disciples as something we do as we build relationship with people and do life with them. When they see how we cope with life's challenges and joys, they are usually able to deal better with their struggles. Some people choose to blame God for everything that doesn't go well for them to the extent that they sometimes walk right away from God. If we're doing community with them and have a relationship with them, it's likely we may be able to encourage them to persevere because persevering is part of growing in our faith. When I was young, we used to sing another song. We didn't spend all of our time singing and I'm not going to sing this now. But th this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up away beyond the blue. My point being here is that uh, eternity is at stake here and sometimes people give up when things get tough rather than being prepared to persevere in order to achieve the prize at the end of the race. I've not seen anyone who didn't complete the race ever collect the prize. In 1982, Australia was attempting to win the America's Cup in the best of seven yacht races, something that hadn't been done for, I believe, 132 years. Um, so uh, now Australia had won the right to challenge America uh, by defeating all the other uh, contenders. And uh, so we, we, we were involved in this. So the first three races were won by America, quite convincingly, I think. Um, now, can you imagine the pressure on the Aussie crew at this time? They needed to win the next four races to win the Cup for Australia. Well, the, the Aussies won the next three races, which brings us to the final race. And, uh, I was in Adelaide in a, on a business trip at that time and I watched the final race in the early hours of the morning. This was the deciding race and there was so much at stake here. At the end of this seventh race, the Aussies won and achieved the seemingly impossible by winning the cup. Now, I'd call that perseverance they didn't give up halfway through. If they'd given up halfway through, they would not have won. But because they persevered and completed the contest, 
they won the prize. From time to time, we're bound to hear someone say that they've led a certain person to Christ. Does this mean that they're also discipling them? We also need to understand that we are required to be faithful and that not everyone who hears the gospel will take Jesus as Lord and Saviour. What I'm saying here is that uh, if we're talking about our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, in an effort to share the Great Commission, even if we've not converted or discipled anyone at this stage, then we are being obedient to that command. Well, apart from my family becoming Christians as they grew up, and also my mum in her twilight years, I'm not aware of any other people that I've actually led to the Lord. And actually, this would have been a team effort between Robin and myself as far as my family went. Plenty of people know I'm a Christian and I've shared my faith with uh, people, but it seems that most people have much, too much going on in their lives. Often when I ask people how they are, they just respond saying, I'm just so busy, rather than telling me how they are. In a past life, we owned a bodybuilding business. Now, before your mind wanders too far at that statement, I need you to understand that this was a truck bodybuilding business, and I was referred to as the Bible-bashing bodybuilder. We employed around 20 workers and I was impressed that none of those factory workers would ever swear around me. That was their decision, not mine. I took that as a measure of respect. But having said that, I didn't experience any of them to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I had many talks with each of them. Maybe some made a decision to accept Jesus in later life. I love sailing and in those days we also owned a sailing boat. To build relationship with guys I would sometimes take them sailing at the end of the working week. You can learn a lot about people when they are relaxed. In 1 Corinthians 3 we read that some in the church were saying I follow Paul while others were saying I follow Apollos. Paul says that he may have planted the seed but Apollos watered it and the Holy Spirit made it grow. So it seems reasonable to me that we also treat this command in Matthew as a team responsibility. It's a long time since I went to school and my first years of schooling were where one teacher taught all subjects to the entire school in the same room but this was where there were only around 10 students in the school. But in normal circumstances, a teacher teaches a single subject because hopefully that's their gift. When we leave school and go on to further education, whether that be a trade or university, we are taught by someone gifted or qualified to train us in that field until we become qualified ourselves. We often talk about the body concept in the case of the church. 
referring to the various gifts of the church body. The marvellous thing about our physical bodies is that the parts of the body are also designed to work in conjunction with the other parts under the direction of our brain. For instance, if we break an arm, we quickly realise that having to do things using only one arm is either impossible or just plain difficult and that we rely on assistance to carry out that otherwise simple task. And the brain is a necessary part of the body without which no other part of the body is able to function. I stated before that I wouldn't be too sure that all witnessing was done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me suggest that attempting to share the gospel or disciple someone without first seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance would be like attempting to perform some physical task without our brain being engaged. So when we address the making disciples of all nations command, it seems reasonable that Christians who are called to going overseas and making disciples are the ones to carry out that task because they have a passion for that ministry as they use their God-given gifts. That leaves making disciples within our church community. I'd suggest that a life group that focuses on discipleship training could be one possible place where a new Christian could grow in their faith. For your information, there has been such a group operating at GBC in the past 12 months um, for uh, young men. If we were open to sharing, hospitality events would be another way to build relationship and disciple new converts or those who are new to our church. Common interest groups could also be a means of building a trusted relationship where we could model mature Christian behaviour and values. Maybe we could even form a sailing group. Just saying. So in summing up, I've come to believe that it's as we use the gifts God has given us, and if necessary, in conjunction with the other God-given gifts available in our church community, that we are better equipped to carry out that command from Matthew 28. And also that the command is for the current church community rather than just those 11 disciples. Otherwise, why would Jesus state that he would be with you always to the end of the age? If we're not confident in speaking out boldly about our faith, there is still a role we can fill as we build relationships and provide a role model for new Christians. None of us are without gifts. God doesn't make junk. We can all do something towards making disciples. As we commence another calendar year as a church, I believe there is reason to be optimistic about ministry prospects ahead of us at GBC. We've gone through almost two years of frustration because of COVID as has every other church in, in Australia. 
But that doesn't mean that there haven't been preparations being made for when we come out of lockdown. GBC has been faithful in our giving during COVID, which has further prepared us for employing a youth pastor who starts her role here later this month. Now it's possible you may see Rachel down at the skate ramps learning how to ride a skateboard so that she can connect with the youth of the area who use the skate ramps. Thankfully, we don't all have to ride skateboards to be involved in the church community's ministries. There are things we can all do as we use our God-given gifts in a way that aids in making disciples. Thank you.